Welcome back to the pod. I'm excited for this episode because it's the first in a series that we're going to do. Honestly, I think this one is worth taking notes as you listen. So grab your favorite method of note taking. And I pray that at the end of this, you are able to walk away with a new tool in your hand to help you navigate the emotions of life. Let's go. If you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, then you may remember back in the fall, I did an episode with my friends, Pastor Travis and Pastor Bubba. And since that time, Pastor Travis has joined the team here at our church. And so we are going to start a series, um, launching a series that I want to do of episodes on stewardship. And Pastor Travis and I are doing one today. So welcome back. Hello. (laughs) So, um, This has just been something that's kind of been on my heart to talk about because I think that in the church, when we've talked about stewardship, it's all about money. Yes. And then, and then people get frustrated when they feel like the church only talks about money. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for me, I thought, well, uh, a slightly maybe more palatable platform to talk about stewardship would maybe be the podcast, but also we're not just going to talk about money because Stewardship is more than what we do with our money, although that will be an episode. I am going to I'm going to do an episode where we talk about finances. It's necessary. Um, Not because I got it all figured out, but because I am learning and I am on a journey. But it's important um, just as a touch base, like Jesus talked about money and stewardship more than he talked about heaven on his earthly ministry. So if he talked about it that many times, then it must matter. It must be important. But um before we get into like the definition of stewardship and talking about the direction we're going to go today, when, when you think of stewardship, Travis, what, what comes to your mind? Do you feel like it's something that the church hasn't always necessarily had conversations about in fullness? Or... I feel like it's actually something that I think we've lost. I think yeah. we've had and lost as a, as the church in quotes, not like all of us. Mm-hmm. I feel like in my parents' generation and before it was not uncommon to have constant groups at the church working or in some instances, if some of us that are listening probably can date this back, I cannot, but I've heard. Uh, <laughs> the- in other words, I'm not as old as I'm about to sound like I am. Yeah. So it's my generation above me, not me, but, um, <laughs> I was going to say, you listening, Byron? You listening, Kathy? Uh, no, no, no. But people way back when, they used to like second mortgage their homes to make sure churches could get built. That's true. They used to do, you talk about some responsibility and some stewardship that you're taking. But home. also, that's really not good stewardship. No, it's like, but, but the but faithful the, commitment right, right. of I trust enough mm-hmm. and, and life is just uh, different. It's changed a lot in the last 30, 40 years um, that we've been around. And I think that's where what I see more than anything is it's it's there. And I think people actually want it, but nobody has time for it. Well, sure, because I think, again, going back to let's talk about we do it, but you know, mean, we, the, we, the financial stewardship side of things, <clears throat> people are always trying to figure out how to manage their money better or how to get out of debt or how to not go into debt. And so, but, but I think you might be right that there's been this like slacking off of 
because people, well, the church is all about money, so then we don't talk about it at yeah. all. Well, they're getting paid to do that, so why aren't they doing it? Uh, that happens sometimes, uh -huh. too. Well, mm, that's that's another conversation. Okay. <laughs> We're not talking about money. Also, <laughs> right. That's a, that's a later episode. Actually, that's like probably going to be the third or fourth episode in this series of stuff. i got it written down right here. Well, where then consider I want to go. this a commercial. Right. Oh, there you go. Also, we closed my office door so that, you know, we could, but I'm getting stuffy in here, so I'm going to crack the window, which hopefully... Um, sirens from the fire department don't go by while we're doing this. But yeah. if they do, and you're listening in your car, don't pull over because it's not really happening behind you. Maybe <laughs> check your mirrors. Yeah, check your mirrors. <laughs> okay, so let's then look at the definition of stewardship. I kind of looked it up. Looked up dictionary um, definitions. Uh, not that Wikipedia is necessarily the resource that you need to go to to no. know all your information, but, but I did. But I did pull it from there. So basically, I looked at dictionary.com, Wikipedia, Merriam-Webster, and then when I sent these notes to you, Travis, you pointed out that I have a quote, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't source my quote, but I'm pretty sure it came from the Wikipedia um, article, the Wikipedia definition. So. Um, Dictionary, the dictionary.com says um, stewardship is the job of supervising or taking care of something. Wikipedia says that it's an ethic that embodies the responsible planning and management of resources. Um, Miriam Webster, the quote from there was especially, especially which I kind of thought that. was really neat, but especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. It's kind of like the ending to all the other definitions. Yeah. It's almost like they all fit together they, for their purpose. Boom, boom, boom. But it's saying, but it especially means right. that we're supposed to be care to take careful and responsible management of something that's entrusted to our care. Yeah. And so that's what I think stood out to me when you because I saw that I saw how it was written and how you wrote it and it made complete sense. Yeah. So I just think it's really cool. Then you look at the theology mm -hmm. of stewardship. So stewardship isn't just it's not just a Bible thing. It's not just a, a church thing, but there is a theology to stewardship. So the theology of stewardship is the belief that humans are responsible for the world and should take care of it and look after it. Absolutely. Right. Um, and then here's the quote that <laughs> I didn't source. Um, the central essence, the central essence of, of biblical worldview stewardship is managing everything God brings into the believer's life in a manner that honors God and impacts eternity. That's I, cool. That is like my favorite yeah. definition of, yeah. of stewardship. Because I mean, that's like people refer to me as full-bodied. Yes. But I think that's what I think of when I think of, yes, I might be full-bodied and physically. <laughs> but this <laughs> phrase is full-bodied in its respect of, it's just, it's a complete direction. It's a complete circle of thought um, yeah. of what stewardship and the theology of stewardship is. So it's a brilliant quote. Yeah. Um, here's what I think is important to, to consider then when you're looking at the theology of stewardship um, is that stewardship begins and ends in understanding that God is the owner of everything. Correct. Um, so looking at um, Revelation the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 13 says, Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. Well, that was verse 12. I'm sorry. Verse 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So if he is all of those things, mm -hmm. then he has all oh, of the things. things. Yeah. Um, looking at, see, this is where I marked my Bible, but I should have put, like, numbers. Like, 
Hey, do this one first, then this one. Mm. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. For he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. And there are a lot of verses, a lot more that I, we can read. Yes. And these are the verses that we all have read in our lifetime that didn't really stand out. And now that we're talking specifically on stewardship, oh, they, they are highlighted. Like they, they are very specific. Yeah. One of the ones you had was Deuteronomy 10, 14. Mm -hmm. The heavens belong to the Lord, your God. Even the highest heavens belong to him. He owns the earth and everything in it. And again, it's it's almost, it's not repetitive, but. Well, right. And I like the one verse that says like the, the, the everything belongs to the Lord and the earth is his footstool. Yes. Like, okay, everything is his and the earth is just this part and it's where he rests his feet. I kind of feel like he's like <laughs> sitting back there like, you know, like macho man. Yeah. Randy Savage Yo. in a chair picking his foot up and being like, that's my world. Like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. exactly. And then I really like Job chapter 41, verse mm -hmm. 11. Who confronted me that I should repay him? Everything under heaven belongs to me. I love that. That's like God saying, who do you think you are? Mic drop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so stewardship is, is understanding that what we have been given comes from him. And we've just been entrusted with right. it for a time. Right. And I think it goes further. So we we naturally uh, pastors, obviously on, on a, a more of a on a Christian podcast. For now, stay tuned. And, no, I'm just kidding. Stop. But on a, on something like we're doing like this, we obviously think every categorical thing that we bring up is intentional about it being scriptural and spiritually. We're led. rooted in a faith tradition, for but sure. we as people don't understand and have forgotten that stewardship translates to absolutely every part of your life, not just in the church and not just at church, and not just because we are pastors right. thinking about it. It truly is something that happens when you're sitting at home alone. Yeah. It's really what happens when you're trying to figure out um, where you're going to live, or what job you're going to take, or how you're going to handle that confrontation, mm -hmm. or how you're going to... Stewardship and everything, and responsibility, and being careful with everything, because everything is, is like you said, we are being entrusted to care for mm -hmm. this world, and it translates into every aspect. Every aspect. Which leads us to where we're going to go today. I want to talk about the stewardship of our emotions. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, if, if everything belongs to the Lord, all of creation, everything under heaven, that includes us as right. his people. Right. right. Um, but I think, I think that we as a people first, but also in the church, we don't talk about the proper stewardship of emotions. And, and I, what I mean is like, we get frustrated when somebody gets frustrated, right? We, um, we make demands, we, we do things or, you know, somebody's grieving and we don't give proper space for grief or somebody's celebrating a win. And we're right. just kind of like, Hey, that was great. And we move on. Yeah. Um, you know, or we we're how many times have, as a parent, have we told our kids, look, man, that's not that big of a deal. Get over it. Right. But How many times have we told ourselves to that? Ourself, yeah, I was gonna say, instead of saying it's okay, look, we can't we can't rule our decisions on our feelings and emotions because no. emotions are fleeting. Okay, but but it's okay to feel yeah. the emotion yeah. if we do it properly. Right. It's okay to be angry if you do it properly. Right. It's like that phrase: "It's okay to not be okay." Yeah, I think the difference is who in what company are you going to be not be okay. And I think that's kind of mm. another big question See, and, is and where, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine. Where, where, where we're going to be has to be 
a place when you're in a place in emotions, whether you're angry or whether you're hurt or whether you're whatever, wherever that expression comes out, shouldn't be any different. It, it shouldn't be just anywhere. It should only be in a place of comfort. It should only be in a, when you're really going to bring out and it happens humanistically, we bring them out. Mm -hmm. They come out wherever they want to come out. But if we're going to steward them, we have to be careful. We have to be cautious on how we bring out our emotions. They're real. We're not, not hiding them. We're not shying away from them. Right. I, for instance, if, with just losing our grandfather a couple of weeks ago, my grandmother the week before, um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And I find even this morning had a moment where, it, and, and it's not a moment that I had when I was at school working and it wasn't a moment that I had when I was talking to someone who wouldn't get it. It, I wasn't, it was a moment I had when I was more alone. And it's something that I let myself have mm -hmm. because I wasn't working and I wasn't using it as a distraction to not feel the yeah. emotion, but I was also making sure that I was being honest to myself because you can't pro can't properly process your emotion if you're in the middle of worrying about whatever people are thinking about your emotions. Right. And so like for me, I'm a crier. Okay. I mean, I've talked about that on the podcast before. And if you know me, you yeah. know, I'm a crier and I used to feel really insecure about it. Um, like a man. Yeah. Ugh. Apologetic for it. And, um, I can remember as a teenager back in the day when we had, um, not Illinois student ministries, but we had IYCM Illinois youth and college ministries oh my gosh. way oh, back my. in the nineties. Yeah, mm -hmm. Um, and, and we would, um, they would do like fall youth convention, but then they would do a spring youth convention and they would normally do them in different areas of the state mm -hmm. so that, everybody could like have equal access to doing it. Yeah. Um, and one year, or maybe it was several years. And this is funny. I was just talking about this with somebody else a couple weeks ago and they laughed that I remembered this and I laughed that they remembered it. Um, <laughs> but they did the shake the nations tour. Do you remember the shake the nations tour? Nope. So it was, um, so like for Southern Illinois, I believe it was in Mount Vernon that we had it. And it was a really neat, uh, it was more evangelistic and missional based mm -hmm. of a, um, of a missions convention, smaller sure. spring convention kind of thing. Like I said, they did it in different parts of the state. And it was, it was the year, it was the spring after the Paducah, Kentucky school shooting. And like, so that would have been like what, 96, 97. Okay. And the student who was the, the, the leader of that prayer group where the shooting started, um, came and spoke. Wow. Right. So I just remembered after it was all done, I was talking to the main guy who like led the shake the nations tour. Um, I can't remember his name. He was um, from a different country. But anyway, I remember telling him, I just cried through the whole thing. It was just so moving to me. And, and he told me, and I, cause I was like, I can't believe, you know, I cried through the whole thing. And he yeah. said, and he, this is what he told me. He said, don't apologize for crying. God created you with your emotions and he expects you to use them. Yeah. And true. in that moment, I didn't have the words to put to it then. But in that moment, what I began to understand was, I'm, I can be emotional if I do it the right way right. because God made me like that. Right. Um, now, at 16, 17 years old, I didn't have the words to say, let me learn how to steward my emotions in a biblical and godly manner. Sure. But that was essentially the seed that was planted in me. Yeah. But but I, I didn't completely learn how to do all of that then. Sure. And here I am more than 30 or, you know, not more than 30, but almost 30 years later. Right. I mean, 16, 17, I'm 41. So it's almost 30. I'm close. I'm closer, closer to that than I am away from it, yeah, you know? Same, and so, same. and so I just, it's been in the last few years that, that several things have happened for me. Like I am a crier. I've always wanted 
to be a what I thought was an intercessor. Like, God, how do I, especially as a pastor, how do I intercede for people? I'm not good at interceding for people. And I had somebody who came to me and said, whoa, you need to not say that. You intercede on an emotional level that most people can't. Yeah. You have the ability to put yourself into the emotions a person is feeling about their situation. You intercede right. in, in an emotional way. Right. I had never considered it yeah. that way before. It's like talking to someone who, this just happened to me earlier this week, talking to someone who, and I'm an eyes kind of person, mm -hmm. so I tend to um, just see people in their eyes mm -hmm. and where they're at, how they're feeling, whatever. And I was talking to someone and their eyes were in so much pain and hurt mm -hmm. with what they were talking about. It's what we were talking about. Yeah. But there was no real you expression to the conversation. Their eyes, I would, but their eyes were telling me just how badly they were hurting Yeah. because of what we were talking about. They didn't break. Their voice didn't crack. Their eyes didn't water. They didn't quiver. They didn't anything, but their eyes showed me the battle going on inside. I don't have that. My battle happens on the outside. And so <laughs> you don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder. I won't tell you, uh, but no, but I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. And I think it's really important too, to always be the person that try to always be the person that provides a safe place where people yes. can express their emotions yes. in a way that they're not going to feel like you're dismissing them. Mm -hmm. And I think, we do this sometimes with our children. Oh, like you, sure. like we were saying, I mean, if, if that's important to them. Yeah. I mean, we're like, really? You don't even pay bills. You worried about yeah. what? <laughs> right. It's right. like, oh, my, my, my Xbox is broke. Mm -hmm. I do not care about your Xbox. You better save your birthday money. Right. You better go cut some grass. And the words of my daughter who says, sorry, not sorry. She says, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about you. Yeah. But no, it's like, I, I just really feel like we need to make sure that we are a place that we're stewarding ourselves in, in that option as well. That we're making sure that we are yeah. available. Oh, absolutely. People. Absolutely. We can't shut that down. And, and in America, we're so quick to be like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get it together. Instead of allowing people space to process through the emotion in a safe way. And so for me, when I think about all of this, and there may be people who will listen and go, this is ridiculous. Okay, but let me say it this way. We believe, if, if you, let me say it this way, because I don't know, maybe somebody who's not a believer is listening. Sure. Um, but we as believers take the, the, the biblical view that God has created everything, including us, and scripture says, that he created man and woman in his image, yes. in his likeness. Yes. Um, well, he's not a physical being, so he didn't create us to look like him physically. He doesn't have, a, he's, he's a spiritual being. Sure. So we don't believe then that he has a head with a face with shoulders and arms and hands and legs and, yeah. you know, whatever. Jesus came and took on that form. Right. Jesus has that. But the creator got himself, right. which we, that's a whole nother conversation right. we get into about the three in one and all that. We believe that Jesus was present right. at creation. That's right. biblical. But he isn't physical. So what does that mean then? How are we created in his image and in his likeness? Well, then we are created to be mind, body, spirit. Yeah. We're created in his in his image, in his likeness, meaning we have the ability to think, we have the ability to rationalize, we have the ability to use logic, we have the ability to to feel, we have the ability to um to to have spiritual encounters. Right. Right? Right. So um all of that, all of that then we believe our likeness is found in the intellect, in the emotions, in the character, 
and in morality, et cetera, right. et cetera. Agreed. So then I think what it goes on to then is if we understand that, that we're created in his likeness and in his image. So our emotions are not something should, that should be shut down. Right. Our emotions are not something that should be and mishandled. You know, speaking of the, the shut down, I think this is really important for all the men listening. I think it's super important because I think most men, albeit that's not me, but most men are not emotional creatures. And so it's really difficult for them to process their loved one's emotion, especially a spouse, because you're so close to that mm-hmm. person, but that's an area that you just can't seem to understand because we're not inherently men are not emotional beings in that respect. Um, So I think it's really interesting for the men listening to make sure that you don't, and it's something that you learn, something we all have to learn at some point is everyone's emotion is valid. It doesn't make it rational. It doesn't, True. you know what I'm saying? Yes. Every emotion. You can feel the feels, but recognize But let that, me help but, you understand well, what it is you're feeling and what, where are you coming from? I don't understand. Yeah, because feelings aren't necessarily true indicators of reality. No, we've said for life, what do we say? If you trust your feelings, you're going to fail every time. Right. Because our feelings fail us and the feelings are part of the emotions. Right. And oftentimes our feelings are what comes up first. Yes. React, react, being being reactive instead of responsive. Yes, of course. Yes. And so I think it's important that as men, all the men listening, not well, but, just as important. No, men. but I'm going to say, because there are a lot of women whose personalities tend to be well, the stuff. Stuff. And yeah, you're right. You're right. They I got to be able to handle this. Yes, I'm a strong yes, woman. Yes, I don't need anybody. Yes. I've got to be able to handle this on yes. my own. Yes. And just like those women, we, we she, they, they, for the most part, want you to be, it's okay. You can do like this in front of me. I'm that person. Uh-huh. But who's your person? Mm-hmm. And so men, we're not overtly emotional That's people. That's very true. And you also don't necessarily have that person. Sure. And so we're not going to take it, it to our spouse, for God's sake. We're not going to let them know how we really feel. Uh-huh. We can't let anybody know how we really feel, uh-huh. especially our spouse, because, you know, that wouldn't make sense, right? So <laughs> it's like the only person you should truly understand what you feel mm-hmm. and how you feel is your spouse. But whatever, that's another topic for another day. But um, I just think it's really important that men don't dismiss the feelings of those that they love. And I think it's easy for men to do that. Or I've their done, own feelings. Their own feelings, absolutely. But I know when it comes yes. to people in my bubble, I have a tendency to be like, why are we crying about this? I don't understand. And even though I'm an emotional person, there mm-hmm. are times that I'm like, well, you're wired different. Why are you doing this? Like, what? <laughs> you know my phrase, what are you doing? What are we doing? We're not going to make it. So let's then move the conversation to how do we handle emotions? How do we steward our emotions? And there's plenty of emotions that we can talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of honed in on four that probably are um, oh. big ones yeah. that we that we all can say we've felt at different times. And I want to start with fear. And here's why I want to go with fear. Because I have had a fear of failure my entire life. And I say it's a fear of failure, but it's really a fear of failing myself. Not so much. If I fail myself, I fail myself. Yeah. It's more a, fa- a, a fear of failing um, God, yeah. a fear of failing my family. Yeah. And even then, it's probably less of a fear of failing them and more of a fear of disappointing, disappointing them. them. Yeah. I mean, it's heavy in me. I find that the emotion of fear, <laughs> I feel the emotion of fear is very webby. And, Ooh, I, and yeah. I feel like it is one of those things that we can categorize so much. Like what you just said, 
it's not necessarily the fear as much as it would be the disappointment, the fear of disappointing them. See, it's just, it's all webbed together. That's the, probably that for me, that's our trickiest emotion. Like, like I have a fear of heights sure. that is very real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is not the same as, I mean, listen, if that's something you want to overcome, then I think what we're going to talk about right. is something that you can, you can deal with. I don't like spiders. Not necessarily afraid of them. I don't like them. I had a fear of losing my hair. I had to get over that real fast. I literally had a fear of losing my hair. And when I started losing my hair post sickness 15 years ago, I really, it really bothered me. It yeah. really bothered me. And, and it was something I couldn't cover up. I couldn't hide it. Yeah. And there's a lot of things we can cover up and hide and sugarcoat and smile through. There's some things you can't. And well, you're not like most women could wear a wig. And even if right. somebody saw that it was a wig, you can, you can get a decent wig and fix it where it's, people aren't going to say anything. When a guy puts a toupee on, it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, do not, do not. <laughs> so how do we, how then, you know, how do we handle fear? I, I'm going to say this before we get into like scripture. For me, it was a year that the year that I decided uh, I had been hearing about people who would pray and ask God to give them a word for their year. And I thought, well, I've never done that before. I'm going to do that. And the first time I did it, the, it was less of a word and more of a phrase. And it was no fear. And mm. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Mm. You've got to be kidding me. And what's funny is since I've started doing this where I pray November, December, God, give me a word for the next year. I have found that that word really, or that word or that phrase really had become an anchor for me to hold on to because the year inevitably had things that came up that I had to lean on that. I had to rely on that. I, you, you challenged me on this a couple years ago when you were telling me that you did this and I did this this year. Yeah. And the word that I came up with, this was late last year when I was praying about it, November, December, yeah. before we got into the new year, I didn't quite grasp it. And then I thought I had grasped it. And then I'm really grasping it, <laughs> um, was push. So I get pushed like what in the push. The first thing I think of is a door handle, push and pull. Like uh-huh. I, and I'm like, push. But I, I went with it. Okay, fine. Let's just see what happens. Because mm-hmm. obviously it means something and it's going to be defined by whatever happens this year. And whatever happens, because that was the whole point. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trusting that it means something. And so what I thought it meant whenever the year started and we ended last year was pushing myself um, to move forward and to do things outside of my comfort zone, which I think was very true and very accurate. But I also began to realize just a few months ago that it was God pushing me into new areas. And I think that was probably the the biggest crux of where, for me, that stands out with push. So like in that moment where you're like, good grief, God, what are you doing to me? And you go, oh, you gave me this. Right. You told me push. Push. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. like, so again, it's, it's not even about me. It's about him and what he's, I'm, I'm like being activated by his push. Like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it feels like more than it's like, I got to push myself to read more. I got to push myself. Those things are all very true. And that's how I took the year. At the and start. that's probably not wrong. And it's not wrong, but, but, but it's I, multiple through my time of praying and whatnot and, and trying to understand life, um, which I haven't figured it out yet. But um, <laughs> for those of you that are wondering, we don't, we don't know, but um, yeah, I just feel like I, I found God pushing me. And allowing and me allowing him to keep pushing. Okay. And so that can actually tie right back into fear because if you allowed fear to be something that was prominent in your life, then when that push happened, you would push back. Oh, of course. You know, and that, that had been me for the longest time. So, but still, even at that, one of my favorite verses are, you know, is 
it, and we'll get there. I want to come back to it. Yeah. But, you know, are the verses in Joshua about, about don't be afraid, be very courageous. Or every time um, the Lord would appear in some form to somebody mm -hmm. that you read in scripture, what was one of the first admonitions that was given was don't, don't be, be afraid. afraid. Fear <laughs> not. Yeah. yeah. So all of that. So <clears throat> in second Timothy, second Timothy one, seven, <laughs> yeah, we had a whole discussion about this. Second Timothy one, seven um, says, and I'm, I'm reading from the Christian standard Bible and you, and I don't know what version you're reading from. We're probably going to read from different versions. Yeah. I think okay. mine's the NIRV. Okay. So, uh, Christian Standard Bible, 2 Timothy 1, or 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of sound judgment. Other yeah. ver versions say power, love, and a sound mind. Right. Um, why, why is that important to have here? Well, I think because in those moments, if you if you know this verse and you believe scripture is the true word of God, that it is living sharper than any double-edged sword, right. then you read this and you say, okay, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. So when you begin to have that fear towards any situation or anything, mm -hmm. you can you need to immediately be able to let the Holy Spirit pull you back and say, okay, God didn't give me a spirit of right. fear, so I'm afraid right now. So what's happening? Well, and what I find, it goes right back into the scriptures that Satan is the author of confusion because mm -hmm. fear is nothing but a mind shred. Yeah. It's just whatever's going on has just done took you to the place and you're just confused and everything's coming out at you at once. All the emotions are hitting at the same time and you're just afraid and it's irrational or it's rational, but you're, uh, you're, but you're acting irrational on the rep. Yeah. So there's so much to it. There's yeah, because so many some, a house is on fire. You should be afraid to run into that fire. Right. Because right. it's a natural warning sign at the same time, you know, you could see a house on fire, a building on fire, 10 mm -hmm. blocks away. You don't have to be afraid to keep driving. Sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Or that house is on fire. Your house is two miles away. Is my house on fire too? Yeah. You know, you can. And, and it's recognizing mm -hmm. that the confusion, if you will, that comes out of that emotion of fear, we know by scripture is not God. Yeah. And so we, we have to understand that point. This is human. This is all man. And we know man is fallible. We know man is sinful. We know man is all impressed by the devil. And that's what takes the great, I said devil. Can we rewind that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I said devil. I meant devil. For those of you wondering, it was D-E-V-I-L, -E devil. Uh, but I think it's really, I just thought it was really important that we understand that fear is a natural emotion, mm -hmm. but fear is not an emotion like so many others that we're going to get to that we should let run us. And too many of us, especially when you go on social media, we allow the wrong emotions to come out first. Right. And the thing, like I like to think of too, is the the only fear the Bible tells us to have is a is a, a reverential fear of God. Of God. And right. and what and it doesn't mean be afraid from God, hide away from Him. It means right. He is all powerful. Right. And so um, be on your best, be on your best behavior. That's fearful. Like that would be fearful. Okay. I would be scared. I that. I believe my mom and dad. When I was a kid, even today, I have a respect, a healthy respect for my parents. Because they put the fear of God. Quote, <laughs> you know, you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just like I, I, you know, I didn't, my mom and dad, I felt like growing up knew everybody in town. And so if I, if I did anything, yeah. they would know. Yeah. So I didn't do anything yeah. because I, I was afraid they would find out. Was I afraid to do things? No. I had a healthy reverential fear yeah. for disrespecting my parents right. by doing something that they would not 
be okay with. And I knew. Well, number one, I serve godly parents who prayed. So I believe the Holy Spirit bestow upon them wisdom beyond the um, natural, meaning I could not be at home and do something and I could come home and they would know. They would know. Because the Spirit told them, you need to ask her about this or this. Okay, so there's that. But also, my parents know like a lot of people in town. Yeah. Somebody would see me. Yeah. Somebody would hear about it and call my parents. And my kid would probably say that about me. I think mine would say that about me now. Yeah. So um, I guess the whole thing in that is just uh, there's a difference between being fearful and being afraid and then having that reverential fear right. of the Lord or having a reverential fear. Ooh. And you said fearful. So um, I'm sorry, TJ. Sorry. But TJ was very fearful of roller coasters and Six Flags and everything like that. And, and that's yesterday, last, yesterday. Yeah, we got over it. I guess we got over it last summer. No, um, just kidding. I'm kidding. I think he was 13 five years ago. Still way too late, but whatever. So no, I'm just kidding. No, but um, but he was fearful to the point that it 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 stunted him in ways he was afraid. I understand. He was this. so afraid mm-hmm. that he was so fearful. Then it turned into I'm I can't not be at home. And sleep at a friend's house. I can't do it. I'm too scared to not oh. be at home. The, the, it was it was a fearful way of living yeah. that started to take over. And we were constantly working on him and saying, dude, it's okay to be afraid. And that's a healthy, what I would consider a healthy fear is whenever we're afraid of something because it's new. That's natural. Mm-hmm. And you know, but even but then, when, when it back. takes over yes. and it he's starts he's to he's run he's you, he's it's wrong. Right, right, right. Um, and so like we already mentioned, there's all these verses in Joshua right. about, you know, don't be afraid. Be very courageous. Only be courageous. Right. You know, and you said you had a, did you already share their thought on that one? I thought you said you had something. You wrote down oh. one of the specific Joshua references. On, yeah. On this one, it says, don't be afraid and don't lose hope. Be strong and be brave. This is what the Lord will do mm-hmm. to all the enemies you are going, that you are going to fight. Did you hear it? It says you are going mm-hmm. to fight them. So mm-hmm. just set yourself up. It's ready. Don't fear that. Right. Because it's going to happen. Uh-huh. And those struggles coming, fights yeah, are coming. That's right. Fights coming. You're going to have, and that was Joshua 10, 25 for those keeping score. But it, when, when I was thinking about this and it says, be strong and be brave. It reminded me years ago when Mackenzie was little, we were, she was maybe six or seven years old and she came out of her room, just hysterical. And she said, there's something in my room. And we we're like, okay. You know, so we've all dealt with this with our kids. So I walk in, I said, honey, your room's fine. She was petrified. She was pale as a ghost and she refused to go down the hall in her room. And she was standing and she was looking down the hall and her lights were on. And she said, there is something in my room. And if not for the Holy Spirit that we pray for in our lives, I would not have felt what I felt that told me to listen. Mm -hmm. And so I, I looked at my wife and she looked at me and we both had the same thing at the same time. And we got down on a level and said, what did you see? And she said, there's something black in the corner of my room. I said, is the light turned off? Maybe it's a stuffed animal shadow. Maybe it's, you know, I'm thinking of practical, but my spirit man was saying, go in that room and confront what this is. But that seems so crazy. But I remember telling Mackenzie, we're going to walk back in that room. I said, we're going to be brave. And we're going to walk back in your room. And she's looked at me like I had 10 heads. Like, you are never going to get me in that room again. But that was the problem. 
Therein mm-hmm. lies the crux. Mm-hmm. So as a parent, I was like, no, we can't do this. You know, right. even if it is something, but if there is spiritually something that's going on here, well, we're going back in that room. Right. Like, you know, you're not running me out of a room in my house. Not you know, today, devil, devil. Not today, devil. You know, get thee behind me. And I mean, way back at the neighbor's yard. So I, <laughs> so we walked in there and sure shooting. We walked to the door and Mackenzie just looked at across the room. She goes, it's right there. And her eyes got so big. She began to tremble. Mm. And I thought, and I felt it. The room atmosphere was different. The, the room felt different. And it wasn't anything that I can even put my finger on necessarily. She saw it. I felt it. Mm-hmm. There's a very big difference there. Oh, with children as tend a, to have. Yes. Yeah. And as an parent, as an adult, I was trying the rationale of trying to understand mm-hmm. what was really going on. I had to let that go in the back seat for a minute because the Holy Spirit was just pounding in my chest. And I said, well, this is what we do. We say, we, we pointed and, and like the way you would do with kids with your words. But basically what I said is you point and, and you tell whatever it is that's scaring you that you don't have the right to scare me mm-hmm. because I belong to Jesus. And she said, does it work? And I said, yes, it does. every time. Uh-huh. And it's something that has stayed with me. And she said it, she did it. And she goes, there it goes. And I said, what do you mean? And she goes, it's going out the window. Then I look out the window and I see a dark shadow figure moving through our yard oh, and our Jesus. neighbor's yard. So had I not, what if I would have dismissed her emotion? Mm-hmm. What if I would have not been paying attention? Mm-hmm. What if I wasn't that safe space? Mm-hmm. And that fear came out and I said, oh, for heaven's sake, honey, come on, let me get you back to bed. You're fine. Okay, fine. Put the blankets over your face. You'll be fine. Knowing now, all the while, mm-hmm. that the devil was at, there her, was something. at, yeah. at her feet. And so it... it be strong, be, be brave, uh-huh. be ready. You're going to fight, mm-hmm. but keep pushing. Yeah. Well, when Colby was in kindergarten, um, you know, when I was, when we were kids, we had fire drills, we had tornado drills, we had earthquake dr- drills. Um, we didn't have intruder drills. No, this is, you know, and so when he was in kindergarten, kin- kindergarten, kindergarten, um, he came home from school one day and basically they had done at school that day, they had done the tornado drill and the fire drill and the intruder drill all in the same day. Good night. I know. And you know, the intruder drills are pretty intense. Yeah. And so he came home terrified. Yeah. Come on. Man. I mean, sit like, it together. like, don't talk, like talking about things like, um, oh. how, what do we do if somebody tries to come in our house? Can we get a bigger door? Does dad have, you know, I mean, just going through all of these things. Wow. And it, I finally was like, what, where is this coming from? Because it was kind of frustrating me at bedtime. Like, huh? Are you just trying you to stay out of bed? Yeah. Well, I could tell it wasn't that, yeah. but I was like, where's this coming from? And I finally got that out of him. And so the next day I, I emailed his teacher and the principal. And I just said, look, I wasn't there. So I don't know exactly what happened, but this is what I'm dealing with right. at home. Right. And the principal, she's great, called me. And said, the teacher replied, replied to the email and was like, you know, yes, you know, and it is, it is scary. You know, they had to hide in this one area. And then because it's an intruder drill, they want to make sure you're doing everything right. Then in the, across the room to the main door of the classroom, you know, they're jiggling it to see if they can get in. It's terrifying. It's terrifying for teachers. And then you put it on five-year-olds, you know? And, um, and so the principal said, we'll start giving you a heads up when we do these and he can stay home. And I said, no, 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 because I need him to not be the reason things go really crazy when, if something would happen to go down and the teacher can't console him because he's never practiced this. I want him to practice it, but the heads up would be nice so I can prepare him. 
for what he's going to face. Yeah. Or maybe we adjust our routine or maybe we don't do them all well, the same. Well, they, they did change that. That's and good. she apologized. You know, it was one of those, like, they had was so much time. The, the when school started and how the month ended and by state law, you have to do your yes, things. Okay. So I, I get that they needed to be done, but I was like, you, can you like not do them all the same day? If you need to do them all the same week, but do one on Monday, one on Wednesday, one on Friday, you know, whatever. But for these little ones, that's a lot. And they, you know, anyway, principal and teacher were fantastic sure. about it. it. It was great. Everything worked out fine today. He's not like that, but I can also remember a time when he was like, maybe three or four and we were in the car going somewhere. And he said, mom, um, God is big. You know, this was the conversation I said, mm -hmm. yeah, he is. He goes, he's bigger than everything. So I don't have to be afraid of anything, you know? And then there's this like, Oh, you're right, buddy. <laughs> right. We don't have to be afraid of anything. Except the top bottom. Don't jump. No, in the back seat he goes, <laughs> except for spiders. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was raised right. Uh, so that's so come on, right. <laughs> okay. So, so that's the whole thing. Like you're going to feel fear, right? Um, you know, I heard it said fear stands for false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. You're going to feel fear, but feelings don't dictate reality. Right. So you may feel the fear, but then you, you need to be willing to step back and say, okay, God, I know because your word says that you are not the creator of fear, that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but a, right. but a, and, and not of timidity, meaning not one that cowers back, right. but one that is is self is assured in who I am in Christ is confident, but you've also said to be strong and courageous right. because the fight's coming. Right. So, so what is it about the situation that's caught? that is stewarding that emotion? Right. Right. It's, it's being willing to not be reactionary and instead step back for, even if it's 30 seconds and go, okay, God, I, I'm afraid and I don't, I'm, I, I need you to help me understand why, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what is in this moment that instead of being afraid of, I just need to handle and I need to approach differently. Right. Right. Another emotion that we, we need to learn how to handle and steward well is our anger. I don't have this problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this is one, though, where, again, um, as a church, we just say, well, you're not supposed to be angry. Um, but I also think either we do no. that, you're not supposed to be angry, or we go to the flip side and say, well, Jesus got angry, he flipped tables. That's right. not just being angry, though. Right. Okay, so we Does have it not say in scripture to be angry and, and sin not. not. It doesn't say if you feel like you have to get angry, we'll allow it, but don't sin. No, it says be, be angry, angry, but, but don't, don't sin. sin. And so it's like it's it, it's it's literally black and white. But then in our emotion side, it's not black and white at all. Right. And if we're talking about how we've been created in the image and the likeness of God, you can read in scripture and see where God's God's anger did raise, but he didn't react or respond out of anger. You can read all through the no. Old Testament. There were big things that God did. There were, huh, there were pretty crazy things that God did yeah. um, in his, you know, in, in uh, discipline. Discipline. I was going to say and, and sure, probably in, in an element of. Well, we know the difference as parents because we know when our kids get us to the edge of sanity because they pushed us there. Mm -hmm. If there are times you got to walk away. Mm -hmm. because if you don't and let the other one handle it or come back later to handle it or whatever, then you are going to take it out in anger yeah. because you, yes. you're to a place emotionally right. that you're like, you again, when you're a steward of it, you recognize it and mm -hmm. you take a breath and you either you take a breath and handle it differently mm -hmm. than what you want to, or you walk away or you look at spouse or you mm -hmm. say, we'll talk about this after dinner mm -hmm. or when you get home or whatever. But there's, that's the, being a good steward of that type of an anger. Right. 
Right. So Psalm 86, 15 says, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful truth and love. Yes. It doesn't say that God doesn't get angry. Right. It says he's slow, slow to, to anger. anger. And one of the fruits of the spirit is long suffering. Right. Which means so slow to anger. <laughs> you know, you're slow to react well, to those I mean, kinds of things. And thank God he's slow to anger oh, because hallelujah. mercy, I, I think I've given him way too many times right? today. <laughs> alone. That, today? Right. <laughs> today I was like, alone. did you say today or to date? No, but to, today. No, today's good. I've already been up for a couple hours, right? So I'm sure I did plenty. Seriously. <laughs> Okay. Well, and then Psalm 35, 30 yes. and verse 5, it says his anger lasts only for a moment. Come on. But his favor lasts for a person's whole life. Weeping can stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. See, we usually just focus on the last few lines. Uh -huh. And I personally like the whole rest of it. Okay. Day. This is where people be like, well, I can't, I, I, I can't imagine God would ever want it. God's not angry with you. No. He no. is not angry with you. He, he longs for you to just turn to him and let him wrap his arms around you. I think God is like any father. He gets disappointed. Yeah. He gets frustrated. He yells at you. Ah! you know? But and yeah, you are, but he's okay. not, he's, he's not, if, if he's angry with you, brother, sister, you have, woo, you have pushed that because you know he's slow, slow yeah. to anger. Um, Colossians 3, 8 mm -hmm. says, but now this is where, okay. Now we understand that God himself ha is not, uh, immune to anger. Sure. Okay. But Colossians three, but now put away all the following anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Yeah. Put it away. Yeah. Put it away. Yeah. That, we all is, have it. Yeah. But put it away, but you don't have to live in it. Right. You, you're going to experience it, but you don't have to, be but you deal with it and you move on. Yeah. You're not going to do that. And then another one I wanted to read was James one nineteen. Um, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Verse 20, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Mm, there is there is no human anger that that will that will see God's plans to completion. Right. Uh, listen, I, I think we could all say there are things that anger us that that rightly so. Sure. Knowing a child has been mistreated. Right. Sex trafficking, human trafficking is a thing. Um, but but if we're angry about those things, my question is, why are we angry about them? Is it an anger from a human perspective or is it an anger in that God's people have been mistreated? Right. That the marginalized have been further right. um, pushed aside. Or is it that God's people have stopped doing or aren't doing enough that's, that's, of yeah. our part to, to, to not maybe stop because we can't stop this raging lion of the enemy. That because that's It says in scripture that he is all over the place right. trying to devour whoever he can, but we can't fight. Right. And it's it's we have to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. Yeah. In other words, let's go back to this. This is what I like to say, and I've said it twice already now. We need to be less reactive and yes. more responsive. Yes. You know, we don't call the police department, fire department, uh, EMTs. We don't call them first reactors. Right, right. Call them first responders, responders. because there's a process, there's a method, yeah. there's a there's a, a there's an intentionality. A, a response yes. meets need, where yes. a reaction meets an emotion. So when you are in that moment of feeling angry, you need you need to be willing yeah. to step back from the reaction yes. and step into the response yeah. and what that looks like. Yeah. Yep. So another emotion is it that what we need to learn to steward i think this is a big one too is grief oh 
I don't think we allow enough space for grief. And I don't just mean in the death of a person grief. I mean, like I talked to a friend the other day that something didn't go the way they wanted it to go. And I was, and my response was, listen, you've lost something. Yeah. It's okay to take some time to grieve that you lost them. Even if you realize now looking at it, yeah, that didn't work that way. And I can totally see God's hand on it. It wasn't supposed to go that way. I missed that. It's okay to grieve what you thought was going to be. God is not upset with you because you grieve that that your dream that you had wasn't his dream for you. And it's not going to come to fulfillment. Absolutely. And I feel like all these um, emotions are just beneath each one of our surface of our skin. Mm -hmm. And I think that's extremely important to understand. So when that scratch happens of fear or anger Mm -hmm. or grief, we're going to respond differently because of the, because of the emotions that come out. These are the emotions from the action. So whatever happened, this is the emotional response, right? So what, what I keep thinking is, and what I've been told in the past, as long as it's kept at the surface of your skin, and I mean it in a very, uh, what would I mean? Like a short term uh, definition. Grief is a comfortable place. Yeah. Grief is a safe place. It is, it, it is a place. Now, if you live yeah. in grief, like if you lived in anger, how much productive would you wouldn't be productive? No. If you lived and in fear. And nobody would be around you. Exactly. If you lived in fear. No. Again. If you lived in grief, no, that's not going to work. But grief itself is one of those unique emotions that so much can come from it. Yeah. Self-awareness, self-reliance, self-respect, um, um, self-responsibility. Well, even, so much. Or, or even realizing it, I'm not in control and it's okay. It's okay. You know, um, second uh, Corinthians seven, nine, yeah. I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance for you were grieved as God willed. So you didn't experience any loss from us. In other words, Hey, I'm glad that you felt grief over the choices that you made because it showed you where yes. you weren't following what God really had for your life. And now you've been able to turn yes. and find something so much better, yes. which is pretty much what you were what you were saying. Yes. Um, let's talk about though for just a quick second because you shared, you know, in the last month you lost a grandfather and a grandmother within a week of each other. Our church had been touched by death nine different times right. in a six week period. Yeah. Nine yeah. times since from March 15th to April 20th. And it's not like we were on the rejoicing deaths. end of grief. Oh, no, 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 no. It was heavy. It was heavy. It was real. It was but, tangible. For, but for but. almost all of us, the experience was that these were people who we know loved the Lord, lived, yeah. lived in relationship with the Lord. So first Thessalonians 4.13 comes into play for the believer mm-hmm. when you're talking about losing a, a, a loved one, yeah. you know, losing someone close to you. Um, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. The world does not have the hope in Jesus like we have. And here's what it says after that. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. In other words, you've said goodbye to someone here on earth, but this life is not the end. Mm -hmm. There is more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there there will be a a reunion that will happen. that will happen. But I, I think, and I don't want to take a lot of time on this because uh, I think we could do a lot of time on this, but um, I think Job is the best book that shows us stewarding pretty much all of these emotions, 
but definitely stewarding grief. Yeah. Um, anybody who tells you to read Job to learn how to be a good friend needs to like, mm, I don't know. I think Job's friends were the worst friends on the planet. Not to mention his wife. I mean, I mean curse God and die. In, in it already. She told him curse God yes, and die. No. But Job's response. I mean, Job. And here's why I think so much. Job had the moments where he reacted and went off the handle and God was like, hey, Excuse that's me. probably going to be really loud on that. I'm sorry. I just clapped my hands. And you know what's interesting about what you just said is if you read Job, which I mean, let's be fair. It's really hard to read. It is. It's oh, really man. hard to read. I have how found many a, time, mm -hmm. I found an appreciation. How many times did somebody else say, but Job, what about, mm -hmm. but he goes right back into his grief until God says, mm -hmm. and he yep. smacked him. Then all of a sudden yep. Job was like, piece of junk. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> right. sometimes uh, God's going to send other answers to your grief uh -huh. or to your other emotion before he gets to the slap point. And yeah. we usually require the slap point because yeah. we're stubborn. Because we, we won't step back from our reflect. reaction and look at yeah. our response. Yeah. Um, Job 2, 9, uh, let's see. Nine There's lots. Ten. Yeah. There were several verses you could read here. Job 2, 9 through 10. Where am I at? Where am I at? Where am I at? Um, his wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? I love that. Yeah, I'm going to hold on to my integrity with everything that I've got. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's just, sorry, that's yes. to me. Integrity is hugely important to me. Sorry. And then she says, curse God and die. And then his response, you speak as a foolish woman speaks. Should we accept only good from God and not adversity throughout all this? Job did not sin in what he said. Yeah. He, he sat in the moment of it. Because it's the, the scriptures are telling us that even though Job is like, one of the more depressing books of the Bible to read because it's so full of grief. Mm -hmm. It says in here that Job didn't say anything that was sinful. Yeah. It teaches us that in your grief and your emotion and the way it comes out, it's okay. Okay. Because here's, but here's why it's okay when you're reading Job because Job took it to God. Yes. Yes. Job didn't he was go well to with me. He was still what was me in it, but he was what was me in it to God. To now, every time yeah. they can find on the street. Right. Right. And so if you're, if God's big enough to handle. Yeah. Your frustration, your anger, your grief, your your sadness. He's big enough to handle all of that. So the difference is, do you get angry at God or do you take your anger to God? Right. And there's a difference. And so what I one of the things that I love in in Job is he's one of his responses to his friend. He kind of comes up and he's like, you know, everybody's making fun of me. My friends despise me. You you're all telling me that I'm I'm going through this because I'm a horrible person. Right. And then he says, he, then he says this, have mercy on me, my friends, have mercy because God's hands have struck me. But then he goes down to this. I wish that my words were written down, that they were recorded on a scroll or inscribed in stone forever by an iron stylus and lead. And this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. But I know that my redeemer lives and at the end he will stand on the dust. And even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see in myself. My eyes will look at him and not as a stranger, my heart longs within me. Right. In the midst of his grief, in the midst, he lost, his kids are dead. His, his livestock is, he's lost everything. Right. And his friends are like, well, just because you're a sinner. Right. No, yeah. he was a very godly parent. Yeah. He was a good husband. Yeah. He, he was a good steward okay. with his resources. It even says in the beginning of Job that that's why yeah, he was that's attacked. That's why he was, he was attacked. to be attacked. God, let's talk about that for a minute. He was allowed to God be attacked allowed because it. God's like, my boy Job, he got this. he's going to be fine. 
He knew. Yeah. Yeah. And so in this moment, he takes all of these feelings and instead of saying, oh, God, which is what his wife told him to do, he said, but I know even though I'm facing all of this, my Redeemer lives. lives. And at the end, I will oh, see God. And that one right there, I will see God in my flesh yep. with my eyes. I will see him. Yep. My heart longs Long within me, which then I think can easily translate into the last one we're going to talk about, which is joy. Yes. So. My word for this year is joy. Mm -hmm. I even had, I don't know if you've seen it on, I've seen it on Facebook and Instagram. It's an ad that pops up for, and I, somebody I follow on TikTok bought one. And I was like, well, those are kind of cool. Um, they're called the conquer ring. And it's like a, kind of like a fidget. Yeah. So you, you buy the base for the ring and they're cheap. They're like 20 bucks mm -hmm. and they're just like stainless. And then you can buy different discs that pop into the ring. So like you can pop it in and out, kind of play with it like this for a letter, you know, little whatever. Um, and then, uh, and then, but anyway, you can get them with different words on them. So when my, when my best friend, when Abby, who's been on the podcast a few times, um, she finished her student teaching and I wanted to do something to tell her I was proud of her. Abby's an Enneagram six. Um, so her personality is a little bit different than mine. You know, I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to find the silver lining. And she's like, silver lining. This thing is crap. Um, <laughs> and she she's going to listen to this and she's going to laugh. But I bought us both a conquer ring. Mm. Now I know better. First of all, this isn't like best friend rings. They did not match. Okay, we're not, I'm not that weirdo. Sure. But my ring says joy. Her ring, my brain just went blank on what I got her ring to say. Trust. Trust. Her ring says trust. And she even told me, she's like, it's a good thing you didn't get me joy. And I was like, oh. I know you better than that. She goes, Don't they have word, don't they have rings that say like cynical? That's and I was like, I was like, that totally defeats the purpose of the ring. Anyway, joy is my word for the year. And Ooh. here's what the thing is. God, <laughs> all the emotions, but he has called us to a life of joy. Correct. And, and here's the thing. Joy is not happiness. It is not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Happiness is, is temporal and fleeting. Yeah. Joy is from deep within and, and joy the world, what is the old song? The world didn't give it to me and the world can't, can't take, take it, it away. away. Well, what do people say all the time? I've had people tell me this and they're wrong. I'll make that really clear. But <laughs> all right, Father Joe, that, yeah. you would be wrong, you, you sinner. You're, yeah, you're wrong. But the people have told me, they've said, you know, you're never in a bad mood. And I'm like, mm, okay, that's really never that's not true. true. I'd say most days, unfortunately, I find a spot in my life that I'm like, on that day that I'm like, son of a gun. Like that just set me clear out. And then I have to sit there for a minute and go, all right, well, we're moving on. And I think that's what joy does. Joy comes out louder than your circumstance because your joy is never gone yeah. if you have it. Mm -hmm. So you might be even afraid or in grief or be whatever or having a bad day or do. Yeah. But you're still joyful because it's so deep. It's truly the root of your emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I just think joy. When I think about the scripture that says that he has come to give life and life abundantly, I, when I think of that, I think of joy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I don't think of having all the cars that I want and all the wealth that I want. Right. I really do think of joy right. to have life and life abundantly. abundantly. Um, there are a lot of passages I, and I was just double checking some because I've got my Bible all marked up here with, um, tabs for where I wanted to go. <laughs> and I have a verse written down that I don't have tabbed. And so I kind of pulled it up and I'm looking at the other one. I do have to have y'all several times in, in Isaiah, you're going to see the scripture like this, but in 51 11, this is the one I actually had tabbed and the ransomed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing crowned with unending joy, 
joy and gladness will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee. I love that it doesn't say, and they're going to, they're going to, they're just going to go away. They will flee. They will run. Sorrow and sighing will run because of the joy of the Lord. And just in case you didn't know how important that was in Isaiah 35, 10, before Isaiah 51, yep. 11, it says the exact thing word for word. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So repeat, repeat, repeat. Are you going to get it and, Are you going to get it yet? And I think when the Bible repeats itself, oh, for sure. it's because we're supposed to pay attention. I mean, we do that to our children. We do. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is Jeremiah 31, 13. The young women will rejoice with dancing and uh, while young and old men rejoice together, I will turn their mourning into joy, give them confidence consolation and bring happiness out of grief. Man, there is just some really, really, really good stuff in here. Um, Do I have this one marked or do you have it? John 16, 20. Yeah, I I don't have that one marked either. Yeah, what I'm about to tell you is true. Yeah, I think that's super telling. Like, just in case you thought that I've been lying to you this whole time (laughs) because we're human Uh and, and like Abby at Enneagram 6. We're, we're like, really? Really? Is it can I trust that? Uh, can I really trust you? Uh, sorry, Abby. Um, but, uh, <laughs> what I'm about to tell you is true. You will weep and mourn while the world is full of joy. You will be sad, but your sadness will turn into joy. So when good things it's are happening coming. around you, but you're living in you just right. wait. It's coming. Just wait. It's going to be your, your turn. Joy is your joy is coming. Yeah. Mm, isn't that good? Yeah. Um, what about uh, Galatians? 522. Why do I not? Oh, there it is. Galatians 522. You got it. Yeah. Um, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against these things, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Right. You, if you're a, if you're a, a, a Jesus following believer, then your life should, the outflow of your life should be these fruits of the spirit and joy is in it. Right. It's the second one listed. I don't know that that means, I don't know that, I don't know necessarily that these are listed in order of importance. I don't think right. that's it at all, but joy is in this list. It is important. We need to listen up. God has a plan. Joy is part of it. And we need to walk in joy. Does that mean we're happy all the time? No. No. Life sucks sometimes. No. Yeah. You know, that whole verse can preach because it <laughs> chunks out into points. Sentence, the first, the first sentence, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit produces but the fruit the Holy Spirit produces is love, joy, and peace, period. Yep. And now point two. It's being patient, kind, and good, period. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And then point three, it's called being faithful. <laughs> it like sums it all up into, yep. in case you didn't get it, all of this matches being faithful. Yeah. First Peter 1.8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the yeah. salvation of your souls. That can't be put into words is what it says oh. in the IRV. Oh. Joy that, glorious joy that cannot be put into words. I mean, how we talk about peace that passes all understanding, but what about the joy that can't be put in words? Yeah, exactly. Come on. Yeah, it's good. And and so to me, when I begin to feel like my joy, well, what do we say? The, the world didn't give it to me. The world can't take it away. Joy is something that comes from the Lord. It flows from deep within. It's rooted deep within us. So if you ever feel like the joy is fleeting, the joy is slipping, I believe you I, I believe you, you pull out your word and you look at these verses and you remind yourself of what, what God says in his word. But also, man, you turn on some praise. One of my favorite songs, go-to songs right now, is a slightly older one by Israel Houghton. It's the um, Our God Reigns. Yeah. Our God is great and glorious. Mm-hmm. We put our hope in your name, yeah. Jesus. I That one gets me going, gets me jumping. I could be in the worst mood. I push that button on. I push the play button on that one. 
And I cannot contain yep. the joy of the Lord that's in me. Yeah. I kind of have the same thing with um, Fred Hammond's No Weapon. Mm -hmm. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And just repeats it and he repeats it and he repeats it. Mm -hmm. And about the second or third time listening to it, do I start really getting it? Like, okay, Holy Spirit, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's okay. I'm being drawn to this for a reason. Just yep. shut up and understand. And the thing to remember too in this, this is something that we'll, we'll close our conversation on this with joy. Um, scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah. When you're not feeling it, you just remind yourself, no, I've got the joy of the Lord. And, right. and that gives me the strength that I need right. to make it through the next five minutes, right. to make it through the next day, yep. to make it's it through true. the next week. It's true. And we've got all we need. Yep. And so him. true. Don't you think that was great? I really enjoyed it. As always, it means the world that you even listen to the Preacher Chick podcast. If you haven't yet, take a moment to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you'd be so kind as to leave a nice review, I'd really appreciate it. Until next time.